much, please, until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. My whole weekend has just been overwhelming for good things you know it was like i got to go i did a bunch of stuff i haven't done in a long time and it was really nice like i went to go see a movie theater a movie in theaters which what'd you see uh quiet place part two. Oh, is it good i'm probably gonna watch it tonight it's good it's it's i mean i don't know i kind of thought i was like i don't know if this movie needs a sequel the original but it, it worked I the original is good the original is really, really good really good but it just felt like it was like what else do you need to do? But I, yeah, it was fun. Listen, just seeing a movie, especially I love scary movies and seeing scary movies in crowded theaters are amazing and not totally crowded. They were doing social distancing. So they, you know, there were empty <laughs> seats between everybody. They completely forgot about that here, brother. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. They're, uh, full, full crowd now in movie theaters. I think they can run at like 75% capacity, but then individual businesses can decide to to restrict that even further if they want to so i feel yeah. like a lot of people up here are being more cautious than they legally have to yeah i mean it makes sense just because i i mean i, I don't think it's liability i just think it's like people are just a little bit more concerned plus you're just like so close but in and addition I to think that the danger there is more real than the danger down here also does that, does that make sense maybe yeah. more real is a bad word but when you live in a big metropolitan area like New York City versus living in the boonies like I do. Right. Yeah. And you I mean look, we're cramped together here. Right. Um, yeah, I rode a I rode a public bus for the first time in a long time today. I was like, this is cool. This is fun. This is what it used to be like. Yeah, yeah. Uh before we get in too deep, I just want to wish a very happy birthday to Austin. <laughs> I haven't told you happy birthday all day because I want to tell you happy birthday on the air. Don't think Thank I forgot you. about you. Thank you. It's actually, it was yesterday, but I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I've been hanging out with some people I haven't seen in a while, doing stuff like going to bars and restaurants and movie theaters and riding on buses. So, you know. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to do this. And it is hot. Oh, my God. This is like the first two days that have cracked 90 degrees in the city. So it was I sent you the picture of my dashboard the other day, right? Yeah. Where it's 101. <laughs> it's freaking yeah. May. Well, no, it's not May. Anymore. It's, it's June. June. <laughs> and we, years flying by. we opted to eat outside. So it was like today it was like ooh, it was a little warm sitting on that sidewalk in 90 degree weather today. But it's nice though. It's nice to be able to go to restaurants again and yeah soaking up i mean the sun is good i mean I'm, I'm as pale as you could be so being out in the sun's nice it just makes you feel like you're recharging a little bit right right so if i don't if i haven't misunderstood we're gonna do something a little bit different today right that is right so we're yeah we're, we're changing things up a little bit and we're gonna see how it goes and if we like this or if people listen and we may do these every once in a while i call them kind of like a quick grift and I don't know. In my head, it was, it was going to be kind of in and out. And then I started writing and I was like, Oh, here we go. again." <laughs> so it's not different at all. <laughs> it, it, it's different. It's different. Well, from a page count perspective on my end, a little behind the scenes is definitely different, but that, my, my intention was for it to be a little shorter than it might end up being, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I just get carried away and just, you know, I turn into 
I don't know what I turn into when I start writing, but I start going and I just get, I get deeper and deeper into these stories and there's so much that you can kind of uncover. And then you start getting to like court records and testimony. And I'm just like, this is good stuff. I like that. I don't understand That's half of good it. good shit. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what half of this stuff means. I'm having to like Google every other word, but I'm like, this is fun. I like this. <laughs> You're like, you know, one scene from Always Sunny where Charlie's in front of the, uh, the thing with the red strings and he's got the cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's well, this is i mean i guess like a subtitle for this podcast is an art school dropout tries to explain complex financial uh, structures <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 sort of what it feels like sometimes i'm like i i this is nothing compared to what i learned when i was in school like I'm, this is all me just diving into the abyss <laughs> so. it just starts to show what a good uh storyteller you are and a good researcher you are i hope so i hope so I, I i fear that there's like people that know you know financial wrongdoing that may listen to this show and just shake their head and go what an idiot and i just that's so that's my <laughs> disclaimer that's, that's, that's like, y'all i didn't even graduate from art school <laughs> just two college dropouts <laughs> two, just yeah, I was like, I was gonna start seeing like a version of the Dukes of Hazard theme, like just a couple of dropouts. And Al Barrel. But I just feel like let's just avoid the Dukes of Hazard. That feels that feels uh, a little taboo in twenty twenty one. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, a little, little incestuous, a little racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say a little bit more of the racism than anything else. Oh, come on. Come on, that Daisy Duke, you couldn't tell yeah, me that. We, we don't know. She might have been a kissing cousin. You know, they, know they totally wanted to bang their sister. <laughs> Wait, no, the cousin. I'm sorry. It was the her cousin. cousin. It was cousin. Just, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but they never said what sort of cousin, you know? <laughs> not that that makes a difference let me just put the disclaimer out there right now i'm not that's not that's not a that's not a platform that i'm promoting would be cousin loving <laughs> the thing i couldn't figure out about dukes of hazard is all right Bo and duke and daisy Bo and duke Bo and luke and daisy and luke. are all cousins right and they live with their uncle jesse who is neither of them's parent where the fuck are their parents at? <laughs> Weren't they? Were they orphans? I I don't know. But don't you're, you're telling me Bo, Luke, and Daisy all have separate parents, and then they live with their uncle Jesse, who is a whole another sibling from the parents' family branch. So I'm trying to figure out, like, all right, there's at least four siblings that we're not seeing right now. Where are they at? What if, like, what if we do like a fanfic and? It turns out that Boss Hog is actually all of their fathers, and they just don't know it. Da, like, da, da. <laughs> like there were three sisters, and Boss Hog, living up to his name, actually impregnated all three of the sisters. Oh God, <laughs> this took a hard left turn. This, this right here, and to my knowledge, and someone can correct me, this right here is why there's not like a deep dive podcast on the Dukes of Hazard because. You know, you really start to address these fundamental questions and you just are already in the woods. Coming soon to the Catch and Griff Podcasting Network. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke family tree starring Dalton. <laughs> Tales of Hazard. Tales of Hazard. <laughs> well, just... I bet you can't give a fictional character like a um, 23 and me just to see kind of what wild shit that would happen. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> the family tree definitely crossed some branches somewhere. Oh yeah, that's what I mean, and and that's one of my lines that I like to use when I'm up here because you know people sometimes give you a hard time about being southern. So if you jump ahead of it, then you don't have a problem. So I'll be like, well, listen, man, my my family tree is just a circle. <laughs> <laughs> we just love each other so much that we don't want to let anybody out (laughs) you know i think within the last i definitely was in the last year somebody at work asked me like an honest like he wasn't joking it was not a joke at all he looked at me goes hey man if your third cousin was hot would you fuck her i was like what are you talking about what is wrong with you and he was like listen mate you know third cousin ain't really that much kin right and i was like yeah it's your cousin what is- <laughs> well I was, i'll say two things and then maybe we should switch over to the show uh two things <laughs> uh, uh, former mayor of new york city rudy giuliani actually was married to his third cousin <sighs> yeah at one point that's a thing and i think this is like the second episode not in a row but in a couple episodes that somehow we talked about sleeping with our cousins so maybe we cut that and just run <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how it always goes there <laughs> if you catch my grip the official cousin fucking podcast yeah if you catch my cousin <laughs> <laughs> it was hard for me to catch her <laughs> That's oh, dalton's dalton's new handle is catching cousins <laughs> in, my head, on? in my head your wife is like got her ear up to the door going what in the hell are they talking about <laughs> All right, so let's let's kick into it. We don't need an intro because this is going to be we're going to have a big audio clip. Um, so we're going to talk about something that happened in the news uh, a few weeks ago. Um, maybe some of y'all have seen it. Maybe some of you haven't. I watched it. I loved it, and I just thought it was a great um, moment where a grifter was busted literally while they were in their element, like they were in a presentation about their grift and i think it's pretty safe to call this guy that i mean we may have to throw in some allegedly's because there's no conviction and it's it, it's current and it's and, and um so just to make sure that our broke asses don't get in any trouble because <laughs> they, they can sue me all they want i ain't got shit to give them <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so uh what i'm gonna read first is the I'll read the uh, press release for the event that was coming up that they've been promoting. This is for the conference that was happening. The new series on the record was created for entrepreneurs, rule breakers, industry disruptors, business professionals, investors, and real estate enthusiasts. PIC aims to allow their event attendees to grow both personally and professionally by not just being a viewer, but actively participating. The first special guest will be Edward J. Snowden. Snowden has been called a traitor, a hero, a whistleblower, a dissident, a patriot. U.S. officials condemned his actions as having done grave damage to the U.S. intelligence capabilities. Snowden has defended his leaks as an effort to, quote, inform the public as to that which is done in their name and that which is done against them. His disclosures have fueled debates over mass surveillance, government secrecy, and the balance between national security and information privacy. So this is a whistleblower? What, what was he blowing a whistle on? Do you, know, do you not know Edward Snowden? No idea. So in 2013, Edward Snowden was working as a contractor for the NSA, and he saw that there is a 
broad sweeping surveillance operation that's going on at the NSA that was basically gathering all of this information of not just international suspects, but it was also canvassing all of this domestic information. So they were getting, you know, cell phone records and email transcriptions. And it's just this massive operation to capture as much information from citizens of the United States as they possibly could. And nobody outside of the United States knew that this was going on. And they had all these, like, they have all these crazy courts that basically blindly approve what would essentially be a warrant you know, and they just, they, it was just like a checkbox court. You go, hey, can we, you know, pull all this information for this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all done under the guise of, you know, the Patriot Act and, and preventing terrorism. But the amount of things that they were, it's, it's, there's a difference between sweeping up a terror suspect's data, which honestly, I think is still a little questionable because it just feels like there's, there's, there's so much data that's there, but then instead they were just getting every, vacuuming everybody's information up. And then as they needed it, or as they saw fit, they would go look at individual people's information and it's, just, and it's massive. Is this where the, uh, that meme came from? It's like, Oh, what's your FBI agent doing, watching you do today? You yeah, basically, okay. basically, but it wasn't the FBI. It was the NSA, which is a lot more of a secretive, uh, organization, you know, like FBI, is like federal police and CIA is international, you know, intelligence where NSA is homegrown, just happens here. It's very closed door, very black box operations. And so, so what were they doing with all this information? They were storing it, but they were also using it, you know, it, it, the reasoning was that they were using it for terrorism. And Snowden was working as a, as a contractor for the NSA and said, this isn't right. Like you shouldn't be collecting data on your citizens this way, especially without their consent, without them even knowing what's going on. This is a wide abuse of power. And so he started um, contacting a few journalists with the evidence and he ended up um, sending them just a massive amount of data that he pulled, that he stole from the NSA. And so as a result, he had to flee the country because they were, you know, the U.S. government was coming after him. He fled initially to Hong Kong. Um, and then from there, he ended up in Russia, where he is today. Um, meanwhile, I mean, all of this information about what the NSA was gathering on you and voluntarily, like AT&T and these big data companies were giving over all this information to the U.S. government. They were just oh, like, wow. here, here you go. You know, they were building in back doors for the NSA to get through. It's a really big, important story. But he's I mean, he he's considered an enemy by our government for releasing that data and that information. Wow. Home with a free, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's it's one of those things too. This story, and and I mean, if you really, it's worth going to look up. There's there's a documentary about him. There's tons of coverage. I mean, I'm I'm not doing it justice explaining it in my little my little snippet here, but yeah. um, it, it's something that a lot of paranoid people always thought was happening, and a lot of non paranoid people thought, yeah. hey, this is the government knows a lot more. This really just said you are right, but it actually might be worse than you thought. Yeah. Zuckerberg on Zuckerberg. What can I say? Yeah. So he's, so he's a whistleblower. He's considered by a lot of people to be a hero. He's considered by a lot of people who work in government intelligence to be an absolute threat to, to our system of government. And, and, Good. and so, yeah. And it's, there's been a question for a while. I mean, they, 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 I think every president 
has been asked by people that support him to pardon him and bring him back to the United States, and no one has done it so far. I mean, um, it's, and it's not going to happen. It's probably, probably not going to happen. They're not. I mean, and honestly, and I, I don't want to get po- political, but I feel like if Trump wasn't the one that pardoned him, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, Trump being is like not as big state, big government as as any of the other previous presidents. I feel like he was the the one shot at doing something kind of nuts and unexpected and pardoning a guy like Snowden. So is our stance Edward Snowden good guy? I, mine very much is. Absolutely. Okay. All Absolutely. Right. I think you expose, I mean, when you expose the operations that you, you ostensibly pay for, right? I mean, right. like we're, we're paying for this government and they're doing a lot of stuff that could be used against us behind our backs without our knowing. I think that there's, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, I don't I think that it's, I don't think that that is a, it's something that you have to have happen for the purposes of national security. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like this gives a lot of credence to uh, the conspiracy world. Like it validates them in it a way. Does. It does. And, and I mean, I, I'm not, I, which, I, I mean, which isn't necessarily bad, but no, it isn't so. necessarily good either. Because I mean, I, think, I, I don't think all conspiracy is bad. You know, I, I don't. And I don't think all of them are wrong. No, I, I don't either. But that's a big envelope to give uh, credence to, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like some of the wrong thought may give, be given some validation. By yeah, that. I, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think, it, it, you know, it, what it'll do is once you prove one conspiracy right, it makes people double down on ones even further down the road. Exactly. You know, that, yeah. I, I, that's what I think. I think it does that. But I also think that, you know, who do you blame for that? Do you blame the conspiracy theorist or do you blame the actual government entity that is doing something oh, the like government. that? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, again, U.S. Gets- government, future episode, if you catch my graph. <laughs> Don't get me started about the Constitution. Anyway, we <laughs> <laughs> lost a few patriots on that one. But I, I, I think that it's like, I, I, you know, we talked about this in the last episode too, about like having a distrust of your government is a healthy thing, right? And it's something that's necessary. And so I just think that it's, you know, it, it, where is that, where's the distrust at? And when the government does things like this or participates in these operations for years and years and years, it's really, it's really hard for people to, put a lot of faith in it and i as, right. as much as i don't agree with a lot of big conspiracy theories regarding the government it's hard to it's hard for me to not understand why that thinking is there well in my mind blind nationalism is an overwhelmingly oh, bad yeah. thing no matter like which government or entity it's based towards but i think you're right blind nationalism loyalty yeah blind loyalty to the country you're from it 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 just doesn't feel valid because I feel like there's a lot of bullshit that's happened in the U S especially that if you, it's okay to like your country, but if you can't look at the bad things about it too, then that I don't understand where that kind of thought is coming from. I hundred percent too. You got to see, what do they call it? Warts and all. You right. got to see the ugly parts too. And you got to be able to kind of realize what that is. And, and you got to, you know, you, you should be one to, to advocate for change because you, if you really do have a, you know, a strong feeling towards your, your place of birth or your country of residence, then you want to see it become better, you know? And so it's, I think when it's, it's blind loyalty, but then it's also like an unwillingness to change or evolve or move forward. 
yeah, it's not like the U.S. is a sports team. You know right. what I mean? Like, it, that's, and that's why people treat it like. I would be, yeah, exactly. Okay. I right, totally we're agree. Page. We're on the same page. We usually are, except when it comes to ancient <laughs> aliens. Then you're like oh, way out in space. Oh, 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 <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um, so anyway, that all aside, that little that little rundown. Um, he's been contacted as a speaker for this conference, which is a little unusual, but we'll, we'll get to that part. So the host of this conference is a man named uh, Sunil Tulsiani. And I just want to really quick read his bio from his page. So you just have an idea of who, who we're dealing with. Um, and then we're going to talk, I'll talk a little bit about what's going on at this conference and what it's for. And then we will play the clip of Edward Snowden at the conference. So Sunil Tulsiani, an honored personality of Canada, is a former police detective of the Ontario Provincial Police, a turned real estate investor. After 15 years on the force, he walked away because he found himself spending too much time at work and not enough time with his family. Sunil turned to real estate investing, buying and selling 77 properties in his first year alone. This left him known as the, quote, wealthy cop. This beloved nickname has stuck with him to this day. That's the beloved nickname? Is a wealthy cop. He's the wealthy cop. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't take long. I was like, here we go. <laughs> oh, fuck this dude. Jesus Christ. So here you go. This is going to make it worse. Today, Sunil is a multimillionaire investor who aims to help others attain financial freedom through his membership and mentorship programs. PIC, which is a private investment club, that's the name of his, his organization, has the goal of creating 100 millionaires. Okay. How are they going to do that? Well, through stupid fucking conferences like the one I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, but you just create wealth. <laughs> I, I, I just, so I'm going to say this at the get-go before we even get started. And maybe this is the wrong time to say it, but I just think I question anybody who has made a lot of money whose now motivation is to have other people make a lot of money only because I feel like you have to have a certain drive and ruthlessness to make that money. And the last thing that most super wealthy people want to do is like lend some of their success to total strangers. It feels too good to be true. Right. It's like, I like, why is a rich person telling other people how to be rich? Like rich people just want to get richer. Well, maybe I, don't know, I want to look at it like, you know, on the sunny side, you yeah, know what I mean? No, like I want, no, it's good. I want to believe that I want to believe <laughs> that these guys out of like the goodness of their hearts and their crazy, insane schedules have decided that, you know what, I'm going to throw a conference and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share the secret of my success with you. I, I don't know. I'm cynical. And so I don't think that they have that, that sort of compassion or, or caring to be able to, well, I will say it does smell like Emma Lemmy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it smells. Yeah. Hang on. Like, <laughs> we're going to, we're again, we're going to use a lot of alleged because, you know, this is, this is an ongoing thing and there's, there's been no accusation of, of wrongdoing, but I think this is a really interesting company in person. So this conference actually took place on April 24th. So like I said, a few weeks back, 
Um, and it was attended by around 500 people. It was over Zoom. It was a virtual event. And the way that it was set up was that Sunil had a, a few uh, guest speakers, but he was on this nice big set. And you could see the faces of people on Zoom behind him. And he had like a big presentation port. So it's a nice studio environment that he's in. Um, and, you know, some of the wild things that they were doing, they basically kept people on this thing for five hours. And they just kept going and going and going and just bashing people's brains in. That sounds all miserable. These, yeah, yeah, it really. And and so, you know, they would say things like, Sunil specifically would say things like, if you guys are not interested in money, this seminar is not for you. Um, you know, so oh, okay. <laughs> gives it to you right there. Greed, baby. Um, and, and like I said, there was 500 people and it was really heavily promoted that Edward Snowden was going to speak. Um, the, the audience was never told exactly when, and they started to ask the host, they're like, Hey, when is Edward Snowden coming on? When is Edward Snowden coming on? And finally, Sunil said, please stop asking me when Ed is coming on. Um, because it's a security risk if they gave an exact time, which oh. feels a little bit more like you're just keeping as many people online as they can. Well, it feels like he's like, not to go back to wrestling speak, but he's the main event, you know, yep. he's the draw. He's oh, the, yeah, he obviously is. he's going to be last. He's the headliner for sure. And he, he was promoted as the headliner. Like all of the advertisements for this conference were like Edward Snowden, which again is a real weird guest to have. And I like, I'm just going to say it or get rich quick, you know, conference. Right. <laughs> it seems like not the right guy. Um, you know, there were segments where Sunil would have people over zoom dance to earn a hundred dollar bill which just is like, I don't like that. I don't, like that I, I don't like that. <laughs> um, and then in the middle of everything, he kept trying to pitch a VIP package, which he sold through his organization, PIC. There it is. Private investor club, PIC. That's, we're just going to go PIC going forward. And he's just, he'd said things like, this is very important. If money is important to you, be there. It's only $47 for his VIP package. And so a woman that's actually in the zoom call named Amanda, um, says that she actually can't afford the VIP package. And this is Sunil's response. Amanda says she can't afford the VIP. Amanda, try. If you had a gun to your head, you could find a way. We're going to try to figure out how to get you in, but figuring out how to get you that $47. Oh, uh, that's disturbing. Right? Like, fucking, what is she supposed to do, rob people? I mean, it, that, you know, you know who this reminds me of? Hey. It's Popoff. Yeah. Yeah. When he's like, borrow does. money, get it from somewhere. It doesn't matter where, but send me that money. Yeah, it, it smells a lot like Popoff. I'm glad you it, made that comparison. It's a lot of the same kind of like really pushy sales tactics. Um, and then and so if you paid for the VIP access, so they would, you would attend the special VIP conference the very next day. And it was called Mastermind, which is one of Sunil's big conference topics. Also, uh, a really would, good animated movie. <laughs> he would also send you a gold challenge coin and um, an audio tape of one of his books. So an audio book of his book, Secret to Success. And he just keeps telling people, he's like, this VIP package is the, you know, the, the chance for you to invest in yourself and to make some money. It's a little bit of money and you're getting at least $60 worth of stuff with this $47 investment. And it's just, it's, that's, it's a hard sell. Of course, to whose value? That's not worth $60 to me. Yep. Yeah. 
no, that's, I guess he's saying manufactured suggested retail value on this right. thing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> he's even, he even kind of has the audacity to say, you know, that in the past people have paid, you know, 500 to to $1,000 to attend this mastermind uh, training. I sucked my dick. No, they didn't. <laughs> uh, he's a section where he puts up a picture of him with Oprah. You get a VIP package. You get a VIP package. Everybody gets a VIP package. <laughs> I feel like that was a photo op, and Oprah probably has no idea who he is. But he, <laughs> he's now using this photo for marketing purposes. Um, and he also does a thing where he 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 has testimonials from all the millionaires that he's created through his program. So he, you know, he has pictures uh-huh. with them in their own little personal testimonials. I'm sure they get a nice what the uh, little paycheck for that. Oh yeah. And then he does like this weird stuff where he like tells everybody on the zoom to tell him how much they love him. It's, it's weirdy, like culty stuff. And it's really strange, but it's all uh-huh. in service of the membership into this club. And the club is billed as an investment club, a real estate investment club. It feels really dirty. Yeah. So, I mean, real estate investing clubs are a real thing. Uh, and, and it's, you know, where people, investors pool their money together in order to invest in these properties. And then they get paid off. Um, they get paid based on the value and the interest and, and the, you know, the property themselves. And so it's a real thing and you can find legitimate ones. I would say based on some of the, the history here, this one is maybe a little, you know, you'd want to do a little due diligence. Yeah, it's a little shady. Do your research. Yeah, so it's that's that's really the thing. That's the that's what they want to sell. They want to sell membership into this club, and then once you're in there, you can pay for more and more services and different speeches and things like that, and different seminars and conferences and things like that. So that's that's what you're trying to sell. You know, he had a guy named uh, Grant Cordone come on. He's another get rich quick scheme guy. Um, he has a book from a few years ago called the 10 times rule, where you can like, like 10 times your income, like 10 times happy, 10, whatever. <laughs> uh, and he, in the book or in the, the conference, when he's talking, he actually recommends that people stay in expensive hotels and drink coffee at the most expensive places they can find, because that's where the best ideas are. What? Yeah. And then he, as if like ideas are just kind of floating through the air. Right. And they just might hit you in the middle of the head. You see, I have the exact opposite opinion. I feel like good ideas come from desperation. Yeah. Like that, that's always where like my, like, where personally my drivers came from was like when I'm in the most def- desperate spot, that's when I kind of like get a little infamy, you know? Yeah. Or if start you start hustling. If you try to make things easier, if you got a really difficult job ahead of you, you know, and I think that happens a lot with like manual labor and I don't know, there's a, there's a whole, that he, this guy end up maybe, may end up being a whole episode. I don't know very much about him until I saw this and I'm like, I'm going to watch this guy too. Mm, you're interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course he's, he's also telling, he's like, you know, you need to commit to the future by paying as much as they possibly can towards this investment club. It sounds just, like a good just, way to get it broke yeah yeah um you know and and this guy again cordon is his pitch is really aimed at getting people to pay even if they can't so like even if you're struggling if you pay in you're gonna get out it's so so fucking cookie cutter from like pop off and all these guys it's like this prosperity stuff but this is like 
prosperity outside of faith and religion. I'm not even say faith because that's an insult to that word outside of this religious organization. Like prosperity gospel is now leaked into real estate investing and and Wall Street. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I was going to say it sounds a lot like church and paying tithes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a paid offering and you're going to get what you put in. Yep. It is. It's, it's, it's tithing without, you know, without Jesus. But, you know, it's also, in, it's in the same well, vein. It's like, if you give, you'll get. Or like, instead of Jesus, it's this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think money to a lot of people replaces Christ, even if they don't yeah. want to admit it. It's like, yeah. that's, that's, that's the God, you know, and God we trust is the actual money, not just what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. yeah. Um, there's another speaker that comes out. And he like starts throwing dollar bills. They're supposed to be hundred dollar bills. Who knows? It's on a Zoom screen. Oh, flashy. Okay, we're getting yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just goes on and on and has all these nonsensical charts and graphs. And he's like trying to explain away how this is, you know, how how you end up making money in this type of operation. But the Once first again, thing, like that scene from Always Sunny with Charlie and the red yarn. Yeah, the yarn. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, I think it's really telling that one of the first things that he says when he goes on is he goes, this is definitely not a scam. <laughs> well, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, more than likely, it's a duck. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a lot of, of that going on. And I also think the one thing I thought was funny when I was kind of looking through the highlights of this thing was that all of their charts are shaped like pyramids. Oh, there's so oh, many no. pyramid-shaped charts. <laughs> uh, do you think somebody would have like thought about that? Or I don't think they care. I think this is so brazen, and like <laughs> I just don't think they care. And it's not a pyramid scheme, not that we know of. We're not admit. We're not you know accusing anybody of a pyramid scheme. However, I just think that that's kind of a delicious piece. Yeah, it's just, it's a mighty big coincidence. It is. Let's just put it that way. Uh, he also has this thing and he called plurking, and he's a real big, that's like his his, his word. And oh, define you, plurking. What is plurking? Well, I'm going to give you a shot at this before I tell you what it is. What is plurking. It's grabbing something out of air. It's grabbing the idea out of the air. That I'd be okay with. It's not. Okay. It's a combination <laughs> of play and working. And he feels like people oh, shouldn't work all the time. God. They should plurk. <laughs> that's disgustingly Karen-ish. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah, girl, you know, I'm out here plurking, you know, super mama posa. That is some like MLM Karen stuff. <laughs> and I just want everybody to know, not my mom, whose actual name is Karen. Uh, <laughs> we love, we love Karen. Karen is the saint. Karen does know Dalton. So like she, she approves of, of our podcast partnership. Does, does Karen listen? No, she doesn't listen. Ugh. She doesn't know how Damn to do it, Karen. She doesn't know. <laughs> My little brother said he'd he'd show her how to do a podcast. So we'll see if that actually works. Uh, <laughs> that do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> In the mix of all of this nonsense and plurking and all this just really wild stuff that it just feels like he he's taking a lot of true Try, you know, tried and true tactics and putting it all together in a shotgun and just shooting it all over the place. <laughs> so to mix all that together, he also says, and this is Sunil again, he goes, if you believe in the higher power, God wants one thing from you, you actually doing this part. I truly believe in the law of attraction. What does that even mean? I don't know. It just means God wants you to invest. 
kind of a long way of saying that. And we've talked about the law of attraction. God is a stockbroker. Yeah. Well, God just wants you to do good and he's going to make good things happen. He just wants you to do good by investing your money and then you're going to get money back out. Like, uh, I there's one thing I read in the Bible. It's that Jesus loves money. Loves it. Loves it. Just <laughs> like covered in gold rings. He, he and, went to the temple and he saw all these people making money and he told them good job. He, <laughs> he didn't tear there, it apart or anything. Rolling up in there with frankincense and myrrh and, you know, I mean, just like balling. No, yeah. Jesus was a baller. <laughs> But I, it just doesn't make sense because, I mean, even like law of attractions, you know, we, we talked about a little bit. And again, we'll probably do a, a secret episode down the road at some point. But where it's like, if you think good thoughts, good things will happen. So you take that as one thing. And then you start talking about how, you know, God wants you to give this message. And then you kind of tie them to a tree and bash their brains together into one very convoluted <laughs> thought. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so anyway, so that's all to prepare you for Edward Snowden's appearance on this particular conference. People go through the day and they become so familiar with this sense of wrongdoing, with seeing things like I saw in the office and hoping somebody else would do something about it or turning a blind eye and going, it's not my problem. These are not my people. It doesn't impact me. You know, I can get by with it. That they just let things happen. Um, but I don't want to do that anymore. And so it's really astonishing to me that uh, just before I connected, I had uh, a friend reach out to me and tell me they heard things on this conference. Uh, like is someone saying that they couldn't uh, afford this, and, you know, the host uh, saying, find a way to afford it. We need to defeat the virus if I can't afford it. In a time of inequality, uh, we can't accept that. People are struggling, and there are things that we can't ask them to do. Uh, and to say that that's okay to turn a blind eye, to go on with that, I think is wrong. And so I have to ask, you know, <laughs> it's very unusual that you booked me for this conference because, you know, as a whistleblower, it's my obligation, <laughs> I think, personally and professionally to ask, uh, is this you? Yes. Because oh, I think that it is. wow. Yeah. And I think that the things that I've heard tonight make me very uncomfortable with this event. I think it makes me very uncomfortable and everyone involved with this should really question, uh, is this the kind of association that they want to have? Uh, are you going to be able to deliver on the promises that you're making them? I sure hope to God that you will. But my advice to everyone on this call tonight, everyone looking at this, is look up uh, what you're getting involved in. If you spent money, uh, are you sure that you want to spend it or do you want to charge it back? Um, and by God, think hard about if you want to continue this. Because for me, ladies and gentlemen, for tonight, I don't. Thank you so much and good night. Let's uh, let's take like a few minutes break, and I'll write. I'll be right back, and um, we'll go over this. I'll go over this <laughs> with you guys. This is totally unexpected, and I'm so sorry that this has, ha has happened. A lot of times, um, same thing. Same. I bet like you are sorry. Somebody writes something, and you know these are these are the same stuff that a lot of people do, where there's a headline where people look at, and 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 I'm I'm so sorry to see that he has chosen to do that. Okay, 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. The look on his face. (laughs) So if anybody that's listening, what uh, he was shown is Snowden actually pulled up a a website that said um, the, the, the headline for the article that Snowden pulled up said man named in $4.4 million Ponzi scheme is a keynote speaker at Winnipeg event. And it was none other than our buddy Sunil. And so, yeah, it really caught him on his heels that Snowden just did a really a little Googling. It doesn't take much to find that article. Um, and then in the, the the chat, which you can see is going, and then there's people going, wow, or whoa. And someone said, <laughs> quote, whoa, Sunil is charged for a Ponzi scheme? And someone else said, wow, what a waste of time. 4.4 million. Yep, 4.4 million. Uh, and he just got exposed by, I mean, a very famous whistleblower just came on and, and stomped all over it. Insa- Why him? Why would they pick him to go on there? That, that That's what, I, that's what it, it's just, it's astoundingly dumb. Yeah. It, it is just so stupid. Him of all people yep. to come on because any other person would have just taken the money and played along. Yeah, you know, and I don't understand what they were thinking. I mean, I don't have an answer to that. The only thing I can say is that they knew that they would draw a lot of attention and a lot of people would buy into this conference if it was a big name like Edward Snowden, right? And and, and a lot of these guys, Snowden even says there that he got booked through his speaking agent. So, I mean, he probably didn't know who this guy was until right before the show either. And he, you know, like he even said, I have this, I had a speech prepared um, and then I Googled this dude and I found out that he had a Ponzi. He was accused of running a Ponzi scheme. And also he said that people were messaging him and telling him about like, if you can't afford, you know, the VIP package, then find a way. Yeah. He saw and, it. I think he actually yeah. saw that part of the presentation. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just so scummy. It's and so- then Snowden just comes down there and just drops the bomb live on air. It's, it's so sick. I love that guy now. It's, it's, it was really impressive. Yeah, it was a weird. It's a weird booking for Snowden to accept, but I, you know, I think well, it's his end, agent. I'm, I'm pretty sure that agent got fired afterwards. Maybe not. Maybe Snowden was like, "Hey, this actually was good. There were a lot of eyeballs on this event, and people got to see Snowden really wreck this dude." Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what you didn't hear is actually that someone had a hot mic, and after the the PIC logo comes up on the screen once the 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 segment is done. Uh, someone, someone on the crew said, uh, wasted fucking day. <laughs> and I don't think it was Sunil, <laughs> but it's someone involved in the operation knew what was going on. And then Sunil had the balls to apologize for Snowden's behavior. No, you need to apologize to the people you stole money from. Yeah. And it's, you know, the whole thing is, is it like he goes into um, this whole thing, like after this, this, they cut, they cut the feed, takes a few minutes, comes back on. And does this whole, like, it, I wasn't convicted for this. This was just, you know, like, I, I'm still a good person. And I didn't do, you know, any of the things that I did. Um, yeah, he just, he was, he, you know, talks about how he never changed the name of his company after all of that went down and the, in 2008. And that instead he just, you know, his lawyers told him to change the name of the company. He's confident that he didn't do anything wrong. And and it's true he was never charged criminally and it's a little, but it's a little bit more complicated than 
than what that article headline would suggest. So that's kind of what I wanted to dive into here um, and talk about that. If, if you're a lawyer, we're very mad that we that he allegedly stole 44 million <laughs> or 4.4 million in the Ponzi scheme. We're, but we're not even to that. And actually, I have to say, it's, it's going to be a little bit different than you thought. Now, do I think this guy is innocent? No, no, I don't. I really think he had, he, he was doing some dirty dealings on this, but... Do I think he's the main bad guy in this story? Not, not really, but I just think it's, I, I just found the whole thing kind of fascinating. He's involved there. He's definitely oh, involved, right? Yeah, he's, he's involved and he admits to as much. I mean, he's got statements in, in court records that admit to being involved in this, but um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a little bit weirder than not weirder, but a little bit more complicated than it is. Um, so the, uh, the story was um, about a 2017 incident where Sunil was going to be the lead speaker of a conference, right? And then the um, Manitoba Securities Commission, MSC, which is the local Canadian province that, that controls, you know, the, the securities exchanges, it's like our SEC, they saw this and they said it's really concerning based on his history. And so they issued a press release. And then the CBC, which is where that article that Snowden showed, picked up the press release and ran it. And that's kind of how this thing all snowballed. Um, the press release that the, the um, MSC put out reads is this. Um, the Manitoba Securities Commission is warning the public to think twice before getting involved in an RRSP stripping scam. Um, an RRSP is a retirement savings plan in Canada. Okay. So it's kind of like social security, a little different, like you invest and, and, and it accrues uh, value as you get older. And then when you're, then when you hit a certain age, you can pull it out of there or you can little bits or all at once. And so basically um, a stripping scam is when people have retirees pull out all of their savings um, and then they take a fee out of it. And then they apparently invest quote unquote in the, in the scheme and they end up losing their entire so retirement, still the retirement. Yep. Oh, that's so gross. Yep. And it says, so, you know, these are, these schemes are often touted as sound investment strategy through exclusive seminars or books. The MSC is aware of an upcoming seminar in Winnipeg, which raises a number of associated red flags. Taking place in Winnipeg on Saturday, January 21st, the seminar features a Toronto-based presenter who is under cease trade orders in Ontario and Manitoba and is currently charged with securities offenses in Ontario. Stripping scams involve withdrawing funds from a locked-in registered retired savings plan at the direction of the promoter. The funds are then used to purchase shares in companies or real estate at the direction of the promoter. The promoter retains a percentage of his or her fee. Um, those new shares actually worth little or nothing are deposited back into, into the RRSP at an inflated price. The remaining portions of the original funds are sometimes directed back to the consumer via a loan, a credit card, or an offshore account. So they take your money and they loan it back to you after they take <laughs> a chunk for themselves. Ah, uh, all, all that to say they're stealing your money. They're just, they're just taking your money and taking like their piece of the pie and then giving you back your money in the form of a loan. And that, how do they pitch it to these people to make it sound like this is a good thing? Yep. Yep. So 
that's what this this thing was this thing was basically touting. Um, it said on Saturday, January first at nine a.m., a Winnipeg seminar on quote how to invest your retirement money in real estate features guest speaker Sunil Tulsiani, our boy. Tulsiani has been permanently barred from selling securities in Manitoba and Ontario for repeated securities violations and what the Ontario Securities Commission has called quote egregious and dishonest behavior for his part in a multi-million dollar Ponzi scheme. Mm. So what he, in 2017, he's trying something new. Um, and this is, this is the, the stripping of retirement plans. This is very recent. Yep. Um, and instead of actually the original title, like I just said, is how to invest your retirement money in real estate. Well, once the story came out, they changed the name of the event to how to increase your ROI when you return on investment. But it's still the same thing. It's the same, it's the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. You just dress it up a little nicer. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, you know, maybe if you Google how to increase your ROI, that bad story won't show up. Yeah, but you're still just like dressing a pig. Like you can put a pig in a suit, but it's yep. still going to be a pig. Yep. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's so <laughs> slimy. It's very slimy. Um, to that event, general admission was $97 or... Ugh. They promote it as free with a food donation to the Winnipeg Harvest. VIP uh, tickets to the event were $497. And they the event said 10% of that money was going to the AL, ALS Society. so another nonprofit. Apparently, the charity told the CBC that it did not endorse the event, nor did it have a partnership with it. Not to say that they didn't later. Well, I mean, allegedly, that's that's you know what what it is i mean i they could have given the money to him at a later date i don't know but going into this it's it's suspicious that's what i will say so that was the event that the article was written about that snowden blew up uh sunil's spot you know and and (laughs) sunil and in 2017 had no business taking place in that he is um, not a registered advisor in any capacity you know he's he's not insured so if you know people invest in him and it goes belly up they're not getting their money back because oh, wow. when you're actually a registered financial advisor you have those things like either a a large firm backing you up or b insurance that would take care of things like that um so when he comes back right and we talked a little bit about this so upon the return um Tulsani blamed Snowden's exit on a, quote, clickbait article, which is what he calls it. He claimed that Private Investment Club simply played a role in the Ponzi scheme, but they weren't ahead of the Ponzi scheme. So he said, yes, it's true that I got in trouble with the Ponzi scheme, but it wasn't my idea. We weren't criminally prosecuted. Does it really matter whose idea it is? You still had involvement in a Ponzi scheme. Well, we'll. I'll show. Yes, you're right, and and you're very much right. But I think it's it's a little, it's a little murkier when we get into the details. But he's not innocent by, by any means. Um, and in his quote, innocent. Well, he's been sanctioned. So okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so he, he's looking out for us. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he said in quotes, he goes, "I want you to know that I'm pretty smart." And if I wanted to disappear, I would have. If I stole millions of dollars, I would not be here. I was never charged criminally. The article says, quote, man named, unquote, not that he did it. That article talks about securities and all that kind of stuff. So that's his denial. Is that he just pretty weak? It's very weak, especially when we talk about what the, the scheme looked like. Again, through his private investment club, he was selling 
unregistered bonds. And that was as part of, as I mentioned before, a $4.475 million Ponzi scheme. And he, his part in it was using really high pressure sales tactics on uh, about 80 investors between 2008 and 2009. The risky bonds that he was selling were sold mainly to members of his private investment club. So here he is charging memberships to get into this investment club. And then he's fleecing the people in the club with bad investment ideas. Mm, that's a special kind of just disgusting. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and there's a fee at that time to become um, a PIC member. It was approximately $700. Uh, sometimes it fluctuated and there were deals anywhere from like 350 to $500, just depending on, you know, the conference and where he's kind of hawking these memberships. So it's just, it's kind of boys down to you're paying him money for him to take your money. Yeah. <laughs> That's so gross. We wouldn't be talk. We don't talk about a lot of nice people in here. <laughs> we, we will one day, though. One day, yeah. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll find one. We'll dust one off. <laughs> um, so, as part of their membership, PIC members were provided with membership uh, sessions with Tulsiani. In addition to these membership sessions, PIC uh, members could sign up for a service known as Millionaire Training Camp which was a three-day training program on how to become a chapter leader of the PIC, including finding investors, controlling meetings, and presenting deals. I don't know if these things cost extra, but I'm pretty sure they are. I feel good saying these were probably in addition to whatever your membership costs. So wait, you got to pay him money to work for him? A chapter leader sounds like work. Chapter leader, I think was just, it It, it feel, uh, I don't know for sure, but I do, it feels like, from what I've read is that chapter member is just a more advanced member. So you get, you get in on these deals quicker. Uh, it's a tier. You get on okay. more exclusive. It may be a tier, you know, you know, in a triangle formation. I'm not sure <laughs> how my That's another, another level to what would maybe some of the people describe as a pyramid. I don't know. Just not, but I mean, or just a pointy sculpture, a pointy structure yeah. that just goes you know. up and, it's a triangle that has three sides. You know, they're really big in uh, Egypt. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say he was friends with a pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of mummies over in the area. You know. <laughs> yeah. So he's so you're in this program and you're getting these investment opportunities and advice and you're getting access to these early investments that apparently Sunil has has vetted thoroughly. Um, so, you know, this is where we get into the Ponzi part. So his earliest email messages were addressed to dear VIP investor and indicated that the recipient was getting the first opportunity while subsequent messages were addressed to dear PIC member. Um, both VIP investors and PIC members were advised that they were getting access to a once in a lifetime commercial development opportunity. Some investors received several email messages from Tulsiani in this regard. And this is what the emails boiled down to. Here's the rare opportunity for you to make 20% in 10 days without any risk. The, the money stays in a trust account. Did it? Well, why you got jumped to the end like that? <laughs> <laughs> Dalton. <that's> just, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's where you got to be like, wow, that kind of sounds like, oh, I don't know, a Ponzi scheme by 
Charles Ponzi, where he said you could get, you know, 45 days, you would get 50% of your money. It does sound very Ponzi-esque. It, it really does. Did you forget we did that episode? Listen, my brain is like elevator music most of the time, okay? It's like, ever seen the monkey with the symbols? is going clang, 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 clang. That's what is in my skull all the time. Let's just start sending you homework. Be like, remember when we did this episode? I'm going to talk about it in this episode. You just have to remember. Okay? <laughs> but, yeah, it... You know what that sounds like, Austin? That sounds like our good friend, Charles Ponzi. <laughs> You're not allowed to edit all that stuff before out. You just got to go with it. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to get myself an out. <laughs> no, busted. I have a, I'm recording it, so I send you the audio. So if you're up to something, I can, I can, I can doctor the original one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so the, the message is promising a 20% return in 10 days, which is impossible um, by any sort of investment vehicle. Uh, we're also saying that the minimum investment in this opportunity was $50,000, though they would entertain- The minimum investment was 50000 Hold on, you should have left with that. That's an outrageous amount of money. It's an outrageous amount of money. And no, that, there's, not, no there's no fucking way I'm giving this guy 50000 I don't even have $50,000, much less enough money to give away to some guy that's promising me 20% and 10 Fuck you. Spoiler Fuck alert. Spoiler alert. A lot of the people that invested did not have $50,000 either. Oh, this son of a bitch. He's like Ponzi mixed with Popoff. I can already know what he did. He probably just told them, you know what? It's okay if you don't have $50,000. Just invest what you can. Just give me what you can. And I can still make you money on top of that. Honestly, it's worse. Oh, no. So he, he, you know, he said fifty thousand dollar minimum. He would entertain um, investments as low as twenty five thousand dollars. He would entertain investments as low as twenty thousand. That's yep. ridiculous. Twenty thousand dollars is so much. That's a car. That's a new car. Yep. And this is when his high pressure stuff comes in because he really plays up the fact that this is an exclusive th- deal. And that, you know, you were on the cutting edge. And if you didn't go ahead and invest right away, he was going to send the same email out to thousands of additional investors and somebody was going to jump in on this. What are you supposed to do? If I went out and robbed a bank right now, I would not get $20,000. What what are you supposed to do to get that kind of money? Just wait for it. So um, Tulsiani called one investor in December 2008 and told her about the investment opportunity, again, saying the 20% in 10 days, which is just absolute garbage. He then said that the time period was really short and it was already sold out, but he could place her name on a waiting list if she came to see him with the money. So he was saying, we had this great opportunity. Unfortunately, you missed it. I'll put you on a waiting list, but if you, you have to bring me the money tomorrow, and then if someone backs out of their investment, we'll put you right in. So he's using uh, the fear of missing out as a tool yep. to scam. Fuck this guy, dude. Yeah, and it worked because she, you know, this this investor in question brought money to to him, and he said, "Oh, you know, you're so lucky. Just this morning, someone backed out, so we're gonna let oh. you invest." Oh my god, I hate him. I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, so he's you know, the the sense of urgency is part of the part of the scheme now. I want to say at this point that this is a Ponzi scheme that was not created by Sunil Tulsiani. He actually gets in 
late on the Ponzi scheme. So, you know, we talked about with Ponzi schemes, there's the initial round of investors who usually get their interest paid back because it's paid back by the second round of investors who then get paid right. by the third round of investors. So he actually, his company doesn't jump on board until the fourth round, which when we're talking about this particular scheme, that's as far as it goes. So he's not on, he's not the peak of the pyramid. He's on the very bottom and he's brought in as not someone who's on the top of the Ponzi scheme. He's just there helping the people at the top of this Ponzi scheme sell investments to his club. They're like, we need some people to come in on this fourth round of investment to make sure that the Ponzi scheme keeps going because that's what has to happen. Like you it's have a little to bit get... MLM, a little bit Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I mean, they're really close. They're, they're kissing cousins. Oh no, I did it again. What the um, fuck, man. <laughs> they're, but they're, they're very closely related in terms of financial schemes, but right. he comes in, he's got this, this membership and he starts to sell his own members into this scheme, which is just really gross. Yeah. It's a really, uh, it's a betrayal of trust. And I mean, he, he, he pretends that he doesn't know what's going on, but he, he, he does, he does, he knows, but he's, it doesn't matter because he's taking a percentage of what they invest. So he's getting his fee out of what they're investing. They invest the rest in the scheme that he, he doesn't give a shit about. But really, to me, that makes him worse than a guy that's at the top of the Ponzi scheme because not only were you not smart enough to think of the Ponzi scheme, but you were also brazen enough to trick the people that give you money into giving you their money. Yep. So you're not smart and you're an asshole. <laughs> I would agree. I, I think it's I think it's, it's really kind of something. It's It's more complicated than just being on top of a Ponzi scheme. You know, he, he kept telling people, I, I have done due diligence um, and I, I've, I've done everything I can to ensure that this is a smart investment. You'll get your money back. He um, also met with an investor and the investor told uh, Tulsiani that she had borrowed $150,000 against the credit line to invest in this thing. So you remember I wish when my you credit said, was good enough to borrow one hundred fifty thousand dollars? Yeah, but I mean, you're putting one hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> in a Ponzi scheme. It's it sucks. I'm trying to make light of the bad situation. It sucks. Well, no, that's what you kept saying. You're like, where are they getting this money? A lot of them borrowed it, and now they're going to be in debt for the rest of their life because you can't pay that back, <sighs> especially with interest tack on. You can't do that. Yeah. Well, and so his story was that um, Tulsiana responded by telling this woman who said, you know, I really need this money back once I invest it because I borrowed it. He said, don't worry, this is perfectly safe. My dad invested a bunch of his money in the same, in the same scheme. I mean, he didn't call it a scheme. Um, the same investment opportunity. Yep. Yep. And it was that he, you know, he kept reassuring people that it was very secure and then he wouldn't have his own father invest if he didn't believe in, you know, what they were doing and what they're investing in. So it's really just slimy. It's really high pressure sales. Yeah. And like when you're stuck in the moment like that and you know, it's, it's a time sensitive situation, you're more, uh, you're more willing to make a snap decision like that, you know? Yeah. And you're, and you're willing to buy it, especially when you go, you know, he's telling you, he's like, oh, my dad is really risk averse and he wouldn't do this if he didn't think it was a, you know, a good vehicle for his money. And it's like, I mean, I don't know if any of that's true. I have no, no way of knowing. It's not. It's not true. In um, my in my opinion. Yeah. 
<laughs> Make sure yeah. I throw uh, quotation marks on there. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to like having to borrow a lot of this money, another way that they kind of were deceived is that there was a, um, a subscriber's declaration that they had to sign. So basically it was like this document that said they had at least a million dollars in assets before they could invest. And that kind of gives it some legitimacy. They're like, hey, we don't want people to invest money that they don't have. So we want to make sure that you say that you've got at least a million dollars. Well, some of the people that invested said they didn't have a million dollars. And Sunil was like, it's fine. Don't worry. Just the technicality. You're good. We'll still take your money. Uh, so basically just the checkbox on the form. That's yeah. what it boils down to. Yep. Yep. And and it was, I, I don't know if that was, okay. My, my gut on that is that he was, that gives it further legitimacy. Like it's yeah. so exclusive. You have to have at least a million dollars before you can participate. I mean, that breeds like a certain, like if you went to court and you held this paper up and it says, you said here that you had at least a million dollars in assets. So how are you broke? And then the, what are they supposed to say? You know? Yep. 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 And so all of these people, a lot of whom, you know, invested their money in towards the end of twenty or I'm sorry, a lot of people who invested their money towards the end of 2008 got to May of 2009 and hadn't seen any returns, hadn't gotten any interest, didn't have their money back. They were, were really suspect of what was going on. Then they started to put more and more increased pressure on Tulsiani. And finally, um, he forwarded a long email exchange, which just documented hey the gig's up you know this was between the people at the very top of the ponzi scheme and kind of what was going on and they were pulling money out of the ponzi scheme to invest in real estate which is what the intention was i mean it was a pond like all these ponzi schemes have to have something behind them right there's an Mm -hmm. investment vehicle everybody throws in they put this money in that vehicle they all make money right for ponzi it was stamps right this one it's real estate well from what i understand and there's people that are much better at finance than i am these guys were investing in things but they weren't investing things on behalf of the ponzi scheme they were taking the money out of the scheme and investing it in real estate that was not shared by anybody that was in the scheme so instead of investing money on the behalf of the investors they were taking investors money and stealing it and investing it in things for themselves so it's not even like really they're just dumb (laughs) how how is that going to be sustainable it's not no ponzi scheme is none there's no i mean it's not a sustainable way to do things it's a it's a short term maybe you can get away with as much as you can and try to evade the law like there's no it's a pure stupid selfish greed play and never a happy ending and there's never a happy ending I mean, the, the the miserable people are the ones that lose the money. There's someone that ends up gaining a lot of money. And a lot of times they don't really suffer consequences that are, I think, in line with what they've done. Right. But that's an opinion. Um, yeah. So what happens is those investors get their, that letter, that email, and they know. And they, and they just, they all realize what had happened and they've been completely duped. Um they were all in shock. They were pissed off. They said, uh, one of the investors said that he thought Tulsiani was a very trustworthy Percy. <laughs> uh-huh, person. Hey, he's a good looking person. 
<laughs> Is that like person in the past tense? <laughs> oh, I perceived him a little while ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, one of the investors testified that he thought Tulsiani was a very trustworthy person and that his view changed almost instantly when he received the series of email messages. Um, the witnesses who invested in the fourth round lost all of their principal investment. Oh, and they never received any interest payments. Wow, this didn't last long at all. It was very it, short. It's about a year. About a year that he was that that Tulsiani was involved. It may have been a, a year before. Um, so is this going to be a pattern with all the Ponzi schemes that we're going to cover? It's just fast and hard, and then um, no, most of them. Yes, I'd say the majority are like fast, hard, burnout, bright. The one that's the exception is Madoff. Okay. Madoff kept that thing going for a long time. And even though he's an evil crook, it's it's almost admirable how he was able to kind of manipulate the, the what he was doing for as long as he was doing it. That was a big that was in my lifetime. That's a that was a big, big, big case. It's a big bit. It's gonna be a lot of episodes to get into that one. But we're gonna do Ooh, it one day. Is that gonna be a three parter? It may be. It could be our only or at least our first. I don't know. I'm I'm not promising when it's coming out because I don't have the bandwidth right now in my brain to <laughs> jump into that case. <laughs> So the round one and two investors, a lot of them lost their principal, but they had pulled out um, some of the interest because they're at the top of the scheme. Round three is kind of a mixed bag, but yeah, round four wiped out completely. Um, out of the $4.475 million invested, um, only $1.275 million was returned to investors. Ugh, that's a lot of money that's yep. gone missing. Yep, it's just gone, gone. Um, and as a result of this whole incident, uh, Tulsiani was banned from securities trading for life by the Ontario Securities Commission. Good, good. So that's sort of this guy's origin story is he was, he uses the same vehicle over and over again on these honestly really questionable investments. And, and you know, you've got a Ponzi scheme, you've got a retirement stripping scheme, which, you know, there was never any, he was never accused of that. As far as I know, there were no, you know, court proceedings, but the securities commission said, Hey, this is this, what this looks like. Like, if you want to talk about something in action, like a, a strip of retirement stripping right. scheme in action, this is exactly what this looks like. And I think they got a little hot. So he may have backed off, but they're still going. You just saw it in April. Yeah. He's still having these, these seminars. Um, he's got on his site, he's got, um, you know, they, they bring in people like um, Robert Kiyosaki, who was the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You seen any of those books? No. Uh, they were like, uh, they were like self-help slash investment books from the nineties. And, and they, <laughs> they sold a ton of books. I mean, multi hundreds of millions of books nationwide. And there was a whole series. Um, he's also had uh, Jack Canfield, who was the co-author of the chicken soup for the soul book stories. Book series. Oh, okay. And then later on, he kind of, he also did this thing called the success principles, which is a big financial thing. So these are like really famous, you know, self-help slash finance authors that he brought in for his events to kind of give him some legitimacy. Honestly, you know, you can book a motivational speaker to speak at your event and not have them as you saw with, uh, you know, Snowden, like you, you, it doesn't legitimize your organization by having, by paying these guys to come in and talk. Right. Right. But, it's just, they're, they're for the paycheck. 
Yeah. And, the, but, but, you know, when you promote them as like, they believe so much in this investment com- club, they came to talk to my, you know, the, the members of the club. It's like the brakes just lock. And what <laughs> yeah, you exactly. said, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's still going, I don't know if he's kind of like laying low right this second, but there were still active um, seminars on the site. There was a couple of were TBD in July. Um, so I went ahead and registered for uh, uh, to join the PIC, and boy. we're gonna see what happens. Oh, so uh, I might get a follow up a little sooner than we expected. We'll see. I don't know. I just thought I was like, why not? Let's do it. I mean, if I'm gonna start signing Dalton up for some cults, at least I can do is go into a, a Ponzi scheme. And I'm already, I'm already on uh, the Heaven's Gate Trail. <laughs> I'm gonna try to uh, get their book. It's twenty five dollars, yep. but you have to send. <laughs> Get a load of this shit. You have to send them the $25 in cash in an envelope by mail. Did you reach out to them already? Yeah. You can't well, you're not going to be able to join that cult, though. That's the problem. There's only like two of them left. Uh, well, I mean, they got to get more eventually, right? <laughs> no, maybe I don't think I, so. <laughs> they, if, they know, if they know my contact info, then you know, maybe they'll reach out. And, you know, Dalton, maybe... I, think you're, I think you're looking at a dead cult, both figuratively and literally. <laughs> They'll send me some sweet ass Nike decades, and you know, like <laughs> maybe maybe cut off my balls. I don't know where I don't know where we go. Nike decades worn once. <laughs> so yeah, we may have a follow up. That's 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 my story this week. Like I said, it's kind of a mini a mini story, but I thought it was interesting and and the way that he just got absolutely exposed. So I, I feel like this guy is. We're going to hear more from him because I, I think feel it's like... hilarious that you said a mini story, but we still went just as long as we normally do. <laughs> I know. It's, just me. it's because I like talking to you so much, Dalton. You know, uh, I, I really appreciate that. It's just your, your, your personality is magnetic and I, I stick around for it. I can't, I don't know any other thing. It's just speaking to a big dumb child. <laughs> That's not true. At all. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I think this guy, this guy feels very much like early in his career, where you know all of these guys and girls start experimenting with what works. You know, like we've seen them all, where they try a few different things until they find that one thing that clicks. Yeah, they're throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think I think we're in a like a like a this grifter is still a caterpillar you know yeah. and he's he's trying to find that cocoon so that he can emerge like a full grift butterfly he's uh, a moth let's not call him butterfly butterflies okay, are cute right. moth. <laughs> <laughs> moths are fucking terrifying <laughs> all right i'll go with moth um <laughs> that's not a caterpillar then that would be like a larva I, I thought moths came from caterpillars too. I just thought it was like a you know like a different caterpillar. I don't know. You know, kind of like Pokemon. I, I don't I'm like Pokemon. Yeah, one the caterpillar evolves into a butterfree, and uh, Weevil evolves into a bee drill. You know. No, I don't know. I don't know any of that. <laughs> I don't know any of that, but I'm not going to hold it against you, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, any uh, any closing thoughts? No, I just uh, you know, I mean, this is a little bit of everything, but I, uh, you know, I, I do think we're going to hear more from this guy at some point. I think he's going to get him. I think he's going to keep going until he gets himself into a lot of trouble. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And there's there's he keeps this up. There's going to be some jail time coming at some point. Although it's, it's, it's like Pringles. Once you pop, once you pop the top, you can't stop. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, you got to wonder, and I, I have no evidence to go on this, but you got to wonder if having been a cop is helping him kind of navigate the criminal justice system at all. Oh, no, without a doubt. You know, without just, a doubt. I don't know because it's a different kind. This is like I, I don't know what he what his beat was. You know, I mean, financial crime is different than you know being on the street, but. You 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 gotta wonder if he's he's leveraging some of that. He's definitely leveraging it for the trust. Like he's getting people to yeah. trust him because he was a police officer. But I don't I don't know. I think eventually he's gonna run out of friends or ways to wiggle out of things. Even if he isn't using his experience as a cop as a tool to help him, he's definitely using you know his connections in law enforcement to help keep him out of trouble. Potentially, yeah, but I and, but I think it's just as you know, he's got a nickname. He's the wealthy cop. Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's next on the docket for uh, if you catch my graph? You're supposed to send me a schedule, but you haven't sent it over to me yet. Yeah, I'll send the calendar. I will send the calendar. So next week, the attempt is, and I mean, we may regret this and have to edit it before it goes out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about we're going back into um, uh, sort of a religious grifter named James Strang and he is did, he uh, hold, did you hold his victims out on a string no no string <laughs> ain't no string in this thing pulling them by a string <laughs> <laughs> so Strang is a really interesting cat and he sort of breaks off of a new religious movement in the United States and forms his own thing, but he's, he's very much a grifter and we're going to talk about him. And I think it'll be, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun, but uh, now I got to send Dalton the calendar because I forgot. <laughs> well, in my closing statement, I just want to uh, send a little message to all our listeners. I want you to tweet the hashtag get, if you catch my griff sponsored by Paps blue ribbon PBR. <laughs> You fucking cowards. I know you see us. I know you see us on Twitter. Your social media guy is on top of everything. I tweet a picture for can from my personal account. <laughs> but we have mentioned you numerous times from the If You Catch My Griff podcast account and nothing. I have saw nothing. You can go out and sponsor fucking a wrestling action figure podcast. But you can't sponsor us. You can sponsor that lame ass shit. But you can't sponsor us. What the fuck? Come on. We are out here busting our ass. We are out here giving you love on the internet. And you can't even give us a simple like. You can't send us a case of your beautiful, refreshing, delicious beer. You can't send us a case of your heart of your hard coffee. You can't send us a case of your seltzers. You could even send me that beautiful ass skateboard deck. And I would gladly shout you out on an episode or two. But just notice us. Give us the time of day. One retweet could change our lives. We need you. We love you. And we just want your attention. That is all. Okay, thank you. PBR. Our, our, our PBR. It's not even a plug. It's a bag. <laughs> it's, it's a rant? I'm trying to guilt them. Into it's, it's, it's a phone. promo. You just cut a promo. <laughs> So the other thing we want to talk about is if you if you have a chance, if you like the show, get on iTunes, leave us a review, you know, give us a star review, write up something. If you hate us, leave it there, too. You know, um, just let us know. Us, I'm, going to leave, I'm going to read your review on air. <laughs> Don't say that because then people are going to leave bad reviews, Dalton. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> um, 
yeah so we you know we'd really appreciate it trying to get the word out trying to spread some of the love uh for the show if if you if you like what you hear and you keep coming back some of you keep coming back we see the numbers yeah, I see the numbers. I, I know that you didn't listen to Peter Popoff part two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let all the magic out. Jeez, Dalton. <laughs> I, I, dude, I drank a coffee with uh, two shots of espresso and this Red Bull before we started recording. Oh, so, I can, uh, yes, I can tell. I'm fired up. <laughs> you are fired up. <laughs> all right, Dalton, where can they find us on socials? You can find me on Twitter at Catch Dalton. You can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Agogo. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Catch My Griff Pod. All right, man. Well, until next time, we uh, are. If you catch my griff. <laughs> it's a jingle. I'm trying to make a jingle. I still like it. We can work on it. I don't know how I let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> the girl next door, you know. I don't know what to do. So it wasn't you. Alright. Picture this, we were both but naked, banging on the bathroom floor. How could I forget that I had given her an extra key? All this time she was standing there, she never took her eyes off me. Oh, you access to your villa. Trespass on a witness, all of your clean on your pillar You better watch your back before she turn into a killer Just review the situation that you call the pinna To be a true player, you feel no how to play If she say a night, convince her say a day Never admit to a word where she say And if she claim a you tell her baby, no way But she caught me on the counter Wasn't me Saw me banging on the sofa Wasn't me I even had her in the shower Wasn't me She even caught me on camera she saw the marks on my shoulder Wasn't me Heard the words that I told her Wasn't me Heard the screams getting louder Wasn't me She stayed until it was over Honey came in and she got me red-handed Creepy with the girl next door Picture this, we were both but naked Banging on the bathroom floor I had tried to keep her from what she was about to see Why should she believe me when I told her it wasn't me she know said that she really not the right for vex I never used to see you make the jiggle or flex I study you say favor you in a the complex Seeing is believing so you better change your specs You know she ain't gonna bring a whole different things up from the past All the little evidence you better know for mass Quick for your hands up, no off it up But if she back a gun you know you better run fast But she caught me on the counter Wasn't me Saw me banging on the sofa Wasn't me I even had her in the shower Wasn't me She even caught me on camera she saw the marks on my shoulder Wasn't me Heard the words that I told her Wasn't me Heard the screams getting louder Wasn't me She stayed until it was over Honey came in and she got me red-handed Creepy with the girl next door Picture this, we were both butt naked Banging on the bathroom floor How could